Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Friday, April 10th. We're going to talk about wide receivers, specifically as it pertains to wide receivers in the 2020 NFL Draft and which ones may be of interest to the Miami Dolphins. But before we get there, I've had a couple questions I thought was worth investing a few minutes of our time today to talk about why I'm approaching the draft the way that I am. Because I'm getting a lot of questions, or in one person's uh, case, a very angry one-star review of the podcast. Uh, contradict yourself continuously. You know, it's, it's one day you're Herbert, another day you're Tua, another day you're Burrow. You know, it's, then it's, you don't want Dolphins to draft a running back, but then we're exploring which Dolphins... And here's why. Because the Dolphins, as a team, in as young stage of the rebuilding process that they are in, the Dolphins can literally take this thing any direction that they want. And I'm not going to pretend to know what the Dolphins' preferred outcomes are, and I want us to explore all the options. Because that's what, when the teams are preparing for the NFL draft, that's what they do. They explore for all the possible combinations. And if we do this, then this. But if we choose to do that instead of this, then we'll get B instead of C. And I think it would be different if Miami was a team that was firmly established in who their personnel is and who their identity is as a football team. But they're not. You know, we still don't have the affirmation that we think is going to be what the the offense looks like in 2020 based on Shane Gailey's track record at Buffalo and the New York Jets and what we've seen some of the personnel moves here be. But we're not going to know. So I have to sit here and ask myself and then present this information to all of you to say, okay, what could it look like? What could it look like if the Dolphins go this way? But if the Dolphins don't go this way and they choose to go that way, how will it look different? Why would that be the decision that they make? So... The draft is a very funny time of year, and it's a, a, I feel fortunate that as a draft guy, guy with a draft background, that I got to step into this podcast at a time in which, you know, end of February 2020, we got a two-month runway to the biggest Dolphins draft in, like, decades. But I don't want that piece of the puzzle to get watered down or do you guys feel like, I don't have a conviction in where I stand with this team. I want this team to draft good players. I want this team to have confidence in who they pick. I trust this coaching staff based on what Brian Flores and company did in 2019. And ultimately, this team does not have continuity yet. Coaching staff doesn't have continuity. Personnel's definitely not going to have continuity. We're probably going to have 50 60% of the roster new again this year. But just, we're exploring all the angles and and avenues that the Dolphins can take. So that way, when the Dolphins do make their decision 
in 13 days, which is how far away the first round of the 2020 NFL draft is, and the two subsequent days that follow, we're going to be prepared to talk about why Miami chose to do what they did because we're going to have presented all of the options to everybody. A good example would be the Tua thing. I'm not all in on Tua or bust, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be thrilled if Tua is the pick. Tua is my second-rated quarterback in this year's NFL Draft top 10 player, even with the durability questions. But I'm not going to put all my eggs in any basket until I know the fish is in the boat. Got to be honest, it felt good to get that off my chest. Let's talk about wide receivers a little bit. I think with Miami having as many picks as they do, 14 right now, heaven knows what they may end up doing before it's all said and done. And the depth of this wide receiver class, drafting a wide receiver does feel a little inevitable. I just did a seven-round mock yesterday for the Draft Network as part of our Mock Madness competition. And the Dolphins, you know, you, you draft for Miami, did it for all thir- all 32 teams, seven or a month. And I kept coming up on the board for Miami, and I'm like, well, I didn't pick wide receiver yet because it's not really a huge need, but, man, that'd be a nice one to have. I'll pick something else instead. They don't really need it. Man, that'd be a nice one to have. They really don't need it. I'll pick someone else instead. And, like, I kicked it down the road long enough, and then it was got to a point where I said, okay, this, this guy would make too much sense. And they're drafting James Prochet, a wide receiver from SMU, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Because I want to work through some of the names for wide receivers and how they might fit the puzzle for the Dolphins, including the guys at the top. I have said on this podcast before that drafting a wide receiver wouldn't necessarily be ideal if we wanted to beef up the offensive line. I've said on this podcast before that 18 is kind of a difficult spot to peg for the Dolphins because the offensive line talent that should be available versus where they're picking is not an ideal scenario. But what if one of these top receivers fell? You know, and, and again, we're just going to take this from a different angle today and explore a previously undiscussed conversation piece. So that way, if, if Miami gets to 18 and they end up drafting Jerry Judy, we'll be able to point back to today's podcast and say, okay, here's where the foundation of this conversation can start. For me personally, best wide receiver in this year's NFL draft is CeeDee Lamb. Do I expect him to be in play for Miami? No. Is he more likely to be in play for Miami now that the Cardinals have traded for DeAndre Hopkins? Yes. Everybody's general consensus is there's t- three top three wide receivers. None of them would be in play for Miami until 18. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I'll say this. If any of these three are on the board at 18, top four offensive tackles are gone. Caleb on chase on is gone. You'd have to think real hard about it. Because even though we have... Preston Williams, and we have Devontae Parker. We have all these depth players, the Albert Wilson, if he's going to stick around, and the Jakeem Grant, and the Alan Hearns. I like to say on Draft Dudes, our draft podcast, don't let a good player prevent you from drafting a great one. C.D. Lamb, my fifth-rated player in this class. Jerry Judy, my sixth-rated player in this class. Henry Ruggs, my tenth-rated player in this class. 
if any of those three guys is there, these are blue chip type players. Very different styles. CeeDee Lamb is a DeAndre Hopkins type, a lot of body control. I think if you compare him and his style of play, he's the most similar to what the Dolphins have in Devontae Parker. I think CD's got better ball skills, better body control, better contested catchability. The Devontae, Devontae has not been consistent with it. Devontae's peaks are cream of the crop. So if Miami wanted kind of twin towers approach and Preston Williams, who's a good young player but went undrafted if and coming off an ACL injury, if you wanted to put him as the big slot and go big across the board, you're talking about your four pass catchers in base set if Miami goes 11 personnel being Devontae Parker, C.D. Lamb, Preston Williams, Mike Isecki. <laughs> you going to line up with those guys with size across the board? It's an interesting proposition, right? You think about Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is a little bit more twitchy, short area quickness. He's a violent route runner, if that makes sense. He runs more diverse routes than, than C.D. Lamb does. C.D. Lamb playing in this wide-open Lincoln-Riley college offense. Judy ran the full tree. Jerry Judy, to me, a comp would be like Chad Ochocinco. Just really crafty technician, some of the best start-stop ability. Uh, he didn't run like dominating fast. Like I know there were some people that thought he would run like low 4-3s. He didn't run that fast, but he runs plenty fast. And you watch this man run routes, he puts people in blenders. So this would be an interesting proposition for a guy that can play inside, outside. He should have no problem being a volume receiver at the NFL level. I know some people want to comp to Amari Cooper. He's a little bit more twitch than Amari Cooper. He's a little bit more fluid than Amari Cooper when he wants to be. Um, he would be the guy that would move around the most, I think, in Miami's receiver core. And if they go with this kind of horizontal spread that we've talked about with Chan Gailey, movable pieces, receivers that can run multiple routes for multiple alignments, and not just a guy that just has to work in the slot, not just a guy who has to be the quote-unquote Z and work off the line of scrimmage and go vertical. Having guys much like what Brian Flores wants in his defense who have multiplicity to their game. They can win inside. They can win outside. Judy did a ton of that at Alabama. So did Henry Ruggs, but I think Henry Ruggs and his role is definitely, he, he will thrive in the vertical game, Henry Ruggs. So if we wanted to come in and build this power run, power run, power run, play action pass over the top, horizontal spread RPO, hit slants and goes. Henry Ruggs is the guy. I think Henry Ruggs is probably the least likely guy to be there for Miami, though. Strictly speaking, because I know the Denver Broncos love him, the Philadelphia Eagles would love to have him, and they're never afraid to make a splash. Oakland Raiders, with their affinity for, for speed. San Francisco 49ers, and, and that's the problem in, in proposing one of these guys is going to drop to 18 for Miami to even put him into consideration, right, is there is so much wide receiver need in the top 15, and then you've got a couple teams in the early 20s, Minnesota at 22 as two first-round picks, Philadelphia 21. It's going to be a difficult proposition to see it fall, but at some point the numbers game has to kick in here. And that's another reason why we're exploring all of these avenues and all of these possibilities on what could happen when you roll around to draft day. 
because if Miami doesn't trade up and they choose to keep all their picks, they'll get a quarterback at five. The numbers game is going to kick in. You can't have all of these elite defenders, all these top-end corners, these big three wide receivers, these big four offensive tackles. They can't all be gone. Somebody's going to have to be there. And at the very least, we're going to have talked about them a little bit because we're going to have hit this from every angle. So those are the big three. What about the rest of the draft? Justin Jefferson's probably a little bit of a tweener. Uh, I think he can win inside and outside, but I don't think his value is going to make sense for Miami where in a perfect world he's not in conversation at 18. But I think you get around to 39, he's probably going to be gone. Between Cincinnati at 33 with Joe Burrow, presuming that the Bengals pick Joe Burrow, uh, this Philadelphia-Minnesota gauntlet. Green Bay at 30 is another team to watch. So I don't think Justin Jefferson will be in play. I think he's too much of a tweener. LaVisca Chenault from Colorado is the big version of Ruggs. And what I mean by the big version of Ruggs is where he will thrive is vertical game and the quick game run after catch. He's more physical. There's some medical flags here. I can definitely see Chenault tumbling to 39. He might even drop to 56. Jalen Rager is a true Z guy. I don't think he has the fluidity and to win in the slot and win inside outside. Brandon Ayuk is an interesting name for Miami when you're talking 56 and 70. Uh, I know that the, there's some speculation that the league might be higher on him. He might be gone by 56, but that would be about where I would consider drafting Brandon Ayuk. Um, based on Miami's team needs, I wouldn't prioritize him at 39, even if he, even if he was there and you didn't love your options other places. Uh, he's... More raw, he's not a great route technician yet, but he's super explosive, and he's another guy that thrives after the catch. Just him and the guy I have ranked below him in K.J. Hamler. Ayuk's much more physical, he's bigger, he's a bigger challenge you know, with the ball in his hands versus Hamler's more of a true speed guy. But Hamler's like a Deshaun Jackson type. So if you want that home run hitting ability, Hamler can be that for you as well. That's about... It, I guess we should mention Denzel Mims as guys that are probably going to be top 50 wide receivers. That would be nine top 50 wide receivers. Uh, the ones that I would pick most likely for Miami, if either Lamb or Judy is there at 18, I think they at least strongly consider it because unless there's a, a home run offensive tackle available. Do they pick him? Remains to be seen. We'll find out in 13 days. I would say Chenault in the second, Ayuk in the late second. Those are probably your most likely wide receiver spots early for Miami if they were going to choose to go that direction. Lamb or Judy, whichever one's left over if they drop. Chenault, Ayuk. You extend outside of this group, and man, this is it's just such a deep wide receiver class because you start doing the, the math and you're going to get bottlenecks here where the the plentiful supply of wide receivers is going to surpass the need, and you're going to get to 70 if you're Miami. And you're probably going to have a handful of names that should not be on the board for you but are. 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, although Seattle picks twice in the late second round, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Seattle. Van Jefferson from Florida. Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Bigger-bodied guys. Van Jefferson, I think, is a better pure fit. Brian Edwards is more... A little bit bigger, a little bit more physical Preston Williams. I think that's too much similar to what we already have. Van Jefferson is that guy who can win inside, outside, catch the ball in traffic. I think he'll be a much better pro than he was college player. Jefferson would be like, if Ayuk's gone, and that's the mold that they wanted, Van Jefferson would be the guy in consideration for me if I was running the Dolphins at 70. Then you have the big drop-off, and that's where, like, there's going to be a little honey hole here for wide receivers in late third round, early fourth round, but the Dolphins don't have any picks there. So it's kind of a moot, moot point to talk about, like, the Courtney Davises of the world and the Gabe Davises of the world from UCF, Courtney Davis from Texas A&M, Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, Michael Pittman from USC, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. But then you get to like 141 where Miami gets back up on the clock. And you're going to have options here like Quintess Cephas from Wisconsin who didn't run fast. So if Miami's looking for speed, he's going to be out. But Cephas missed all of 2018, came back in 2019, was accused of sexual assault. Uh, Case was dismissed. He returned to the team in 2019. And he didn't skip a beat. So if the teams are comfortable with interviewing him in that case for him, he ran slow at the combine, but at his pro day, he improved his, his 40 time by like two-tenths of a second. After you adjust for pro day inflation, it's probably more like one point or 0.15. Death taxes and teams inflating pro day numbers. Uh, but Cephas is, I think, a, a good enough route technician, and he's got some inside-outside ability from his time at Wisconsin, and I think he'd be a day-three option that makes sense for Miami. James Prochet, who I mentioned that I gave to the Dolphins with one of their fifth-round picks in my seven-round mock draft that dropped today. Prochet won on all levels of the field. He's got some of the best contested catches, but he's a tiny dude. And that was that was the really like pleasant surprise in watching James Prochet play. It's like, oh, wow, this dude's ball skills are phenomenal. So he played at SMU, so he played in a wide-open passing offense. But the hands, the ball skills, and the route-running ability all give me optimism that he is a player that would make sense for the Dolphins in round three if they wanted somebody to take the Albert Wilson-esque role and save $9.5 million this year. He's not super fast, but Alper Wilson wasn't overly fast in 2019 either coming off that hip injury that he suffered in the, uh, midway through 2018. So Prochet is one that I've got a gold star next to. I would also put a gold star next to Freddie Swain from Florida. Florida kid, good athletic testing, special teams capabilities. You get into day three, Tyree Cleveland, the other Florida kid, Makes a lot of sense for you know his athletic potential. Both of these floor, I mean, all three of these Florida guys, you bring Van Jefferson back into the conversation. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking at them closely because they're strong athletes. They got special teams abilities, and they played on a team that hasn't had a good passing offense, and they they never waned with effort. 
K.J. Hill from Ohio State, a little bit more of a pure slot guy. They're going to have options. And, and as I've said, with 14 draft picks, I think it's it's almost inevitable that they're going to pick that at some point because with the expanded rosters, teams are going to have the ability to carry two extra bodies on the active roster. And those guys, those wide receivers, those wide receiver four, five, and sixes who can play special teams for this Dolphins team, DBs and wide receivers are probably going to get a little extra run because they can play and contribute on special teams. Hope you enjoyed the look into the wide receivers of the 2020 NFL Draft and which ones might make sense for the Dolphins. So if I had to peg, looking back over this list one more time, kind of tears. If we're talking 18, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, if they're there, you have to give a consideration. If you get to 39, I'm not really super interested in wide receiver. LaVisca Chenault, maybe. But that's only if your options at running back are tapped and offensive line are tapped. And you don't like your options at free safety either, which is mathematically almost impossible. (laughs) They're going to have options that are probably more attractive than an equally rated wide receiver at that point in time. Get to 56 and 70, you're talking Brandon Ayoke, Arizona State, KJ Hamler, Penn State, Van Jefferson, Florida, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Michigan. You get into day three, Quintez Cephas, James Prochet, K.J. Hill, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland. They'll probably spurn us all and go with a wide receiver we didn't talk about, but that's okay because we at least explored the avenue of them taking a wide receiver position not often talked about for the Miami Dolphins of being a position of need, but yet a position that like almost everything for the Dolphins, should be on the table, and we will continue here on Locked On Dolphins to dig through those possible outcomes so that way when the draft comes, we're going to be mentally prepared for whatever direction the team decides to go. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thank you for listening to Locked On Dolphins. Come back and see us again on Monday. we got Power to the Pot on Tuesday. The draft will be here before we know it. Enjoy your weekend, everybody.